Welcome to The Shed Wireless, a podcast for shedders. Produced by the Australian Men's Shed Association and hosted by John Paul Young. Yeah, there's something for you at the Men's Shed. Hello and welcome back to The Shed Wireless, a podcast for shedders, made in Australia and heard all over the world. Did you know there are almost 3,000 men's sheds in 12 countries around the globe? A humble little idea from the land of Oz is now an international phenomenon that has been enhancing and even saving lives and building better communities for almost 30 years. For Men's Shed Week, we've brought you this special episode of The Shed Wireless, celebrating a now global village doing an incredible amount of local good, from Harvey Bay to Honolulu and everywhere in between. I'm keeping it short and sweet this episode. My special guest is EMSA patron, Professor Barry Golding AM. Barry could be described as many things, but in this capacity, I think Shed Historian is most apt. For a little bit of international flavour, I sent a protégé of mine on the road for an insight into the first men's shed in the United States, Honolulu Men's Shed. And a little closer to home, I spoke to Marion from Rockhampton Men's Shed for a shed in the spotlight here on Aussie soil. Let's get into it. Hello, I'm Sean McAuliffe here and you're listening to The Shed Wireless with John Paul Young. But you already know that, don't you? I mean, obviously, you've, you've already got this set up on Spotify. You've, you don't need me to tell you this. Take it away, John. Yeah, there's something for you at the men's shed. We could aptly call today's special guest a shed historian. In fact, one of the very few around the world. Professor Barry Golding AM is a widely published adult and community education researcher and an international expert in men's informal learning in community contexts, inclusive of men's sheds. Barry has published two books specifically looking at the evolution and growth of the men's shed movement since its humble roots here in Australia. Welcome, Barry. Thank you, John. Now, tell us about your research when it comes to men's sheds. Well, it might seem, I mean, some people think that sheds are just fairies at the bottom of the garden, but as you and I know, it's not. Um, This is serious stuff in Mm. the sense that It's doing some really interesting things by bringing people together in a community to do stuff together, to make things, to share experiences, to to uh, to keep each other well, and to and to transform the the communities in which they're embedded. And I guess that's what I've studied: all yeah. of that stuff, how we learn, what we learn, what we benefit from. And so my research basically. Has, has been involved in going into sheds and saying, what the hell are you guys doing? What are you getting out of it? And why on earth should um, governments and other organisations um, help support this stuff? Because yeah, it's, it's, it's a great little shove-along, isn't it? You know, it, it, it encourages people to, to, to get, get with each other. It does. And I think what I do provides evidence for governments and for non-government organisations and also for the movement itself because when you're in a men's shed, all you see is the shed you're in. You've got no idea that people are doing the same thing in Iceland mm. and in uh, Denmark and in and in Cape York and 
and everyone's doing slightly different stuff. And I guess what my research does is give people that big picture internationally. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, the spread of sheds around the world, how, how did that come about? I could tell you the, a fairy story and say, um, some, like uh, the Aladdin and his lamp, someone rubbed the lamp and a sh- another shed popped out. Mm. And someone rubbed that lamp and another shed popped out. And while that might sound a funny way to start, that's really how sheds work. Mm. Um, Someone sees a shed and thinks, God, that's a good idea. I might try doing one. So they've spread really by people learning about what other people have done. It's not as if government, this is a good idea, let's do it top down. Uh This is spreading relatively organically by people visiting other sheds, by people reading articles, by people going to Facebook, by people having a conversation, by daughters dropping into a shed and finding there's a place that they think their dad might like. It's all very uh, organic and interesting. It yeah. doesn't happen in, in any one right way. And I guess that's that's the magic of all this stuff. Mm. And speaking of that, you just touched on, uh, you know, something that's... Uh always amazed me my granddaughter uh when she found out that i was involved in the men's shed um being a, a 17 year old said sounds a bit sexist uh, <laughs> but your new book explores women in sheds even women's sheds so tell us a bit about that well yeah look what i did when i wrote my first book it included 60 um case studies so 60 stories about what was happening in sheds around the world. And when I wrote my second book, I decided to go back basically five or six years later and find out what had happened. And what I found, one of the most striking things that had happened in that six years is a lot of the sheds had found really innovative and interesting ways of involving women in their men's shed. Mm-hmm. And this this has happened in the last six years. And so it was interesting enough for me to write about when I revisited each of these sheds. The other thing, of course, that's happened is some women said, well, if men can do this, why can't we? Mm. And some of them have created their own women's sheds. And so there's this parallel, slightly overlapping women's shed movement. In some cases, it's a men's shed that's got Men shed two days a week, and it's women shed two days a week. That's okay. Yeah. In some, in some cases, it's a few women who've said, "Look, we're happy to come to the shed on Wednesday if you guys don't mind us coming." Um, in some cases, it's it's men have lost interest in the in their shed, and the women have taken over. Why not? Yeah, you know? indeed, indeed, and I found you know. Uh, through doing um, this podcast over the last couple of years, um, it's it's quite wide and varied. And some some women get, uh, like getting involved in the tools. Some women just like coming along and 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 providing some cakes and tea and uh, and just being social, you know. So it's a it's it's a great. I think I think that I love about the sheds is there's no pressure to do anything, and yeah. uh, it's entirely up to you what you do. You've hit it, hit the nail. It's the lack of obligation. It's the fact that people are doing it. In, in a sense, it's about empowerment. It's people being empowered to do stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, when you get old, people think. Uh, some people think that 
you're beyond being able to contribute. And I think what Men's Sheds demonstrate is that we've got something to share and contribute with other men and with the community at any age, even if it's just making a cup of coffee and telling yeah. a story. You can do this at any age, even with advanced dementia. You can still tell stories. You mightn't remember that you've told a story a dozen times, but <laughs> that doesn't matter, you know. It, it's about acknowledging that um, as we grow older, we've all got stories and we've got experiences, we've got skills, we've got wisdom. And I think this notion of um, eldership being shared amongst older blokes is really pretty important. And it's not just something that's important in a, um, in, in, a in a shed. I think it's, 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 it's important in the wider community. If you look at um, First Nations people, if you look at Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they have a huge respect for their elders. Yeah. It, it's, not about, it's not about getting old. It's about acknowledging wisdom and eldership. Similarly, in a lot of ways, uh, we've lost that, haven't we? We have, and it's it's the same in a lot of um, Asian societies where where older people are looked up to rather than sort of just regarded as being clapped out. Mm. And I think, I mean, you you and I, I don't know how old you are, uh, John, but I'm in my seventies, mm. and I think when you when you get to that age, um, there's an opportunity to make a difference, um, and I think that's. That that's what that's why it worked. Now, we're celebrating Men's Shed Week this week, uh, a global yep. village doing local good. Now, what's your take on that? The global village. I like the sound of that. Well, I guess it's easy to sort of think of each country as being in its own country, and I guess you know, yes, we're in Australian sheds, and some people are in Irish sheds, and some people are in Danish sheds. But in the end, we're part of a global village. We're all connected. You know, if there's a war in Ukraine, then um, there's famine in, um, in, in Africa because mm. the grain can't get there um, and our power prices go up. And so, so in a sense, we are already connected. And I think what sheds do is allow us to see that We've got a lot of common stuff. So th this idea of being a global village, I think, is actually true. We we are Australian, but we're also part of a part of a joined up community. Yeah, it's it's been an enormous uh, success. This movement hasn't it? It has. I mean, I'm an optimist, and this this exceeded my wildest um, wildest expectations. I would not not have imagined that there would have been close to 2,800 sheds around the world as of now or, or that, uh, you know, there's, there's close to 1,200 sheds just here in Australia. And where I sit, you know, half an hour out of Ballarat, there's, there's about a dozen sheds within 50 kilometres of where I am. So people have got choices about where to go and what to do and, this is this is this is just fantastic um, resource. That, uh, but it's not just about doing stuff for men. I think that's the important thing in this Men's Shed Week, John. It's yeah. about it's about communities acknowledging that these are people who are giving back to the community in spades. Yeah, you know, 
supporting kindergartens, supporting the agricultural society, supporting, um, you know, single mothers fixing their taps, yeah. supporting people fix their fix their tools and 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 just helping with, with local fates and and events and yeah. playing music and you know it's it's just it's never ending and it's not what it does for the men although that's really important it's what it does for the community and i think that's what we should be celebrating indeed now in your opinion barry what does the, the future of sheds look like and i can tell that you, you're uh you're pretty upbeat about the future of the sheds. I am. I acknowledge that COVID has hit them pretty badly. Um, and so while I'm optimistic about what sheds do do and can do, I think it would be naive not to acknowledge that COVID has, has hit um, sheds and some men. For example, in Ireland, I'm told that there's around a, a dozen sheds in Ireland that actually lost their lost their shed president who died of COVID. Mm. That hasn't happened in Australia. We haven't had that same reach of COVID, which has caused people in in droves not to come to the shed. There's a number of sheds in Ireland that have fallen over. Yeah. So in in being optimistic about it, I'm just acknowledging that a we need to acknowledge that sheds need support. We can't take them for granted. And I think the other thing we need not to take for granted is the fact we all need to work together. It's no secret, and, and I've made this clear in my book, that not all states in Australia have necessarily been singing off the same hymn sheet. Mm. And it's really important that we put aside our differences, our state differences, our regional differences, our parochialism, and work together. And the best example of this is in Northern Ireland. There's sheds in Northern Ireland on the border between Northern Ireland and the Irish Republic, where blokes were killing each other just 30 years ago. Yeah. Now the same Catholics and Protestants, nationalists and royalists, are actually doing stuff shoulder to shoulder together in the shed for common good. Mm. And my my argument is if, if they can do that in Ireland, we can surely patch up our little differences here in Australia and just get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, well said. Well, I want to thank you very much uh, for your contribution to Men's Shed Week, Barry. So uh, this is Professor Barry Golding I've been talking to. Uh, and what's what's the, the, the name of your new book, Barry? Uh, it's called um, Shoulder to Shoulder, Broadening uh -huh. the Men's Shed. But can I just acknowledge on the end that your contribution, um, uh, including as John Paul Young on the uh, on the event that we had in uh, Albury, uh, earlier this year was just fantastic. Your music, your band, you really tapped into a, a rich vein of, I don't know whether it was just you doing your magic or whether it was just a magical night or it was just a bloody good audience. But whatever it was, it all came together. I'm just complimenting you because the music was great. Um, you got people up dancing and it was a great night. And you'll recall that we, we had a great night um, with uh, two of the oldest uh, contributors to the Men's Shed movement acknowledged with the uh, AMSA Hall of Fame. That is um, Maxine Chaseling, uh -huh. uh, who set up the first shed ever in the world in Goolwa in South Australia. 
and of course uh, the, the the beautiful um, Ruth McGowan from Tongala, whose husband Dick starred the very first men's shed in the world. And you were there. I'm sure, assuming you saw them on stage, and you were also pretty blown away by them. Yes, no, it's it's marvellous, and uh, that uh, it does raise a few eyebrows when you. Um inform people that uh, the whole movement started with a couple of women it's it's a wonderful story <laughs> but i'm just thanking you for your contribution too and for your great um great podcast i think it's been really um really really great so thank wonderful. you thank you very much barry we'll speak to you again soon Boris john bye-bye bye-bye well, if you're interested in more about the history and evolution of the Men's Shed movement, Barry's written two books on the matter. Visit Barry's website, www.barrygoanna.com, and click on the Men's Shed tab. As you may well know, men's sheds are an Australian concept beginning in the early 90s that really grew some legs here in Australia about 15 years ago. These days, there's been more men's sheds than Macca's restaurants here in Australia. What a statement. And what makes that even more remarkable is the reach of this truly grassroots movement across the world. North America, Ireland, the UK, New Zealand, Canada, the US, Kenya and South Africa. I sent a protege of mine to visit the first men's shed established in the United States, Honolulu Men's Shed. And my protege's name is Danny, so book him, Dano. I'm here with Glenn Sears at the Honolulu Men's Shed. Welcome, Glenn. How are you? Good, thank you. How did the shed get started, or how did you find out about the Men's Shed? I read an article in the Rotarian magazine about a Men's Shed in Australia. And I thought, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So I started checking around. There wasn't one in Hawaii. There wasn't one in the United States. So I contacted the folks at AMSA and said, are you sure there are no men's sheds? They said, yeah, we're sure. So why don't you start one? So I did. How did you find this premises and what state was it in when you came across it? Well, this is actually, I think, the, the third or fourth place we've been in. Okay. And uh, uh, the previous place, which was, you know, in fact, we were homeless. And a politician here in town that, that likes us called me one day and said, i got a place for you. So we went out and, and saw this big warehouse. Beautiful. He said, there's only two or three problems. Doesn't have any water. Doesn't have any electricity. And we're going to bulldoze it in ten months. <laughs> I, I shook my head, no. He said, yeah, take it. He said, you get your foot in the door and... And when this one gives up, we'll find you something else. Yeah. So this was the second one. When they tore down the other one, we we, we were given this place. It had a, a had had a big drive-in refrigerator here. So the refrigerator and all of its machinery were gone, but the, there was a thousand square foot slab that was on top of four inches of insulation, and the the Harbor Division, who owns this thing, says if you remove that and get rid of all this junk, you can have this place for six months. Wow. So we did. And um, 
So how long have you been here now? Three years. Right. <laughs> That's great. But we are on a month-to-month lease. Right. How many um, members would you say that you have here? About 125. And you're open every day? Every day. Yeah. Did COVID have a big impact on oh, the shed? It had a very big impact. Yeah. We were completely closed for a year, or maybe more than a year. And even now, we require everybody that comes in to, have, to, to show that they've had their COVID shots. Some of the work that goes on here, I'm just looking at um, the outriggers. Can you tell us about... Well, we have a group of guys that repair old koa wood dugout canoes that have been abandoned for years and years and years. And they come in here looking like they're fit for firewood. Mm -hmm. And these guys rebuild them to where they're museum quality. That's amazing. It is. Um, The the guy who heads that up, he's my age, uh, which is old. And he's done it all of his life, and his father did it before him. Mm-hmm. So they've, um, and he's trying to get, you know, a, a number of guys to learn how to do it to follow him. So yeah. anyway, that's that's the the the, the, the deal with the canoes. Um, they, uh, it's a big job. Yeah, it takes it takes it takes years. Forty like, foot canoe. They've been working on that for more than three years. Wow, wow. Um, and what what other projects? Well, my pet projects has been, have been building high-quality picnic tables. Oh, great. Uh, these are picnic tables with routed edges and three coats of paint before we put them together. It's for elementary schools. Oh, that's awesome. And that has to do with, uh, with COVID because mm-hmm. the kids are back at school and they have to wear a mask in class. But when they go in the cafeteria to eat lunch... They have to take their masks off. Mm-hmm. So we've been building picnic tables so they can eat outdoors. And so, so is that kind of fundraising or a donation? No, no the, the materials have been donated by um, a, a building supply company here called Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And we've done all the work. And uh, I think we've delivered 15 of them so far. That's great. It takes us about a month to build one. Do you do any fundraising at the shed? No, as, uh, as you can see, we've got a bicycle department. Yep. One of the things here in Hawaii is that because of our location, people who move away who have bicycles, it's not economical to ship them. So they Man. just leave them at their condo. Right. And so we, we go into a condo and we say, do you have any abandoned bicycles? And uh, they say, oh, please take them. So that, that's one of the things we do. We bring them in here, refurbish them, and sell them. And that, that's our biggest... Our biggest cash yep. flow. And your members, um, all walks of life, all oh, different everything. professions? Yeah. yeah. Doctors, lawyers, ship repairmen from Pearl Harbor, wow. carpenters, um, whatever. And a big, big cross section of kinds of people, of, of ethnic types. That's right. Um, Hawaiian, yeah. Japanese, Chinese, Filipino. So you all obviously just get together and have a good chat and do some work and talk about life? I wish that happened more than it does. We spend more time making stuff than we do sitting around. But it, it's, it seems to be happening more and more. You know, we still aren't up to snuff after COVID. Yeah. Uh, we're, not getting, we're not getting the number of people we did before COVID. Right. We, we've raised enough money to buy a few really good tools. One of our members made a very big donation to us, wow. which bought the 
the big stop over there. Well, this this politician I told you about a few minutes ago, he calls us the the, the blue collar Rotary. We do it. We try to do a lot of community service, but I guess that's not really our purpose. Our purpose is basically to get these old guys out of the house, mm-hmm. away from the TV set. You know, the reason we're doing woodworking is because I like to do woodwork, and I started it. I'm here with Hunter at the Honolulu Men's Shed. Uh, how did you first find out about uh, Somebody men's just randomly told me, I had been actually in uh, a maker's space here that was in Hawaii mm-hmm. uh, probably seven or eight years ago now. Um, and it was in a space that ultimately they had to look for another space. And when that happened, I sort of faded away. Right. Um, and I was, you know, getting involved with other things. I got involved with laser cutting through another little hooey, little family group. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of doing that. And then somebody mentioned this place. So about three and a half years ago, I uh, stuck my nose in the door and uh, like, oh, I'll just come back in two weeks and I'll pay membership for the year and yeah. go from there. So, yeah. So I think that was January... 2018, 19, whenever that was. Bad at math. Yeah. And what do you get up to day um, to day? I, well, I've sort of transitioned. I was just a, a, a member here, and my interest was pen turning. Mm-hmm. And um, also somehow I ended up getting myself talked into learning how to make an ukulele. Oh, yeah, great. Um, so that turned into a whole lot of sanding and a whole lot of I didn't even know what I was doing, but it came out pretty credibly. Um, and then uh, because there's sort of this concept of called tragedy of the commons, mm-hmm. which is where if you are in a shared space and if anybody's ever lived in a shared housing situation, nobody ever cleans the kitchen. Nobody does all the janitorial things here. Um, and that sort of ended up falling to me, and then they actually sort of gave me a stipend now, so yeah. I'm here virtually every day. Right. Yeah, excellent. What other activities are, are most popular here at the shed? Um, people have a lot of, like, either some older guys living in houses that have been, you know, something they've occupied for a number of years. You know, you need to fix a step or you need to put in some new baseboard or something like that. Sometimes people come in and... You know, they'll just be cutting up some material they've gotten from Home Depot, Lowe's, yeah. wherever. Um, and or um, people will come in and there's a woman here that just joined and she's working on making a headboard for her bed. And maybe the whole bed, I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, she's had some wood that's been, I don't know, gifted to her or whatever. It's so like a nice walnut. Yeah. And uh, so she's like banging out a headboard. And she also, like, I think wants to make some sort of a cabinet to put a LCD on. Yep. And uh, be able to watch TV leaning against her headboard. Right, right. <laughs> Thank you so much for showing us um, the first men's shed as a part of the United States. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being with us. Real pleasure to have you here to visit us, too. Thank you. Thanks a lot. G'day, you mob. This is Ernie Dingo, and you're on the Shed Wireless with my mate, John Paul Young, or JPY, or I don't know what other letters we're going to call him. But don't forget, fellas, if you don't have a hammer, 
use a screwdriver. Here's something for you at the mission. Shed Story. Let's find out more about our shed in the spotlight. Well, it's Shedder in the Spotlight time again, and I'm speaking to Marion Lawler at the Rockhampton Shed, the beef capital of Australia up there in Rockhampton. How are you, Marion? I'm fine. It's a beautiful day up here at the moment. Oh, lovely. So how did the shed get started? Well, years ago, um, Jim and a couple of his friends, when the men's shed was first mentioned, they decided that they had some time, so they got together and they formed the shed. It officially became the Rockhampton Men's Shed in 2014 because the other organisation that we had, it was wound up, so we transferred everything and it became the Rockhampton Men's Shed. We uh, commenced in a old building. It was over 100 years old over at Wandle and there were actually three shops together. And I, I said to Hubby, I said, well, look, you, you've got settled with you. Now, we've got ladies out there that, you know, have the same problems as men. Um, what if we form a ladies' auxiliary and the ladies become part of it? So we did. That was 10 years ago. But we made a pact with the men at that time that we would not go into the men's shed and fiddle around with tools and everything and we would not go with them to morning tea because... It's very important that when men go to morning tea, that's where they discuss what they need to discuss. And the ladies are the same. When we have morning tea, we find that we're discussing little things that, you know, concern us. And it's worked out really well. We have projects that we do together and, you know, the men will make things for us and then we'll finish them off with the painting and everything. But over the years, it has worked for us because... We've respected the men's situation and they respect ours, but we have men that come and sit down with us and talk to us and they, because they haven't got a wife or they're divorced or something, they just need that little bit of female company for a little while and we've got ladies that are widowed and what have you and they look for that little male, you know, interaction. So it works for us. Oh, that's good. That's great. Now, how, how long has the shed been going? Our shed, this shed's been going since 2014. So we're up to our, tw- our eighth year, and um, but initially we've been going over 10 years. It's great that you've got such a, a wonderful symbiotic relationship going up there. That's wonderful. Oh, yeah, there's no sinister things about it, you know. Husbands aren't running off with wives of other people or anything like that. We're too old for that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many members do you have, Marion? Uh, we've got about 50 at the moment. Um, COVID, we had to shut for COVID uh, for about four months, I think it was, early in the piece. But um, we're still being very careful because the age of our members makes them very vulnerable and they must be, our stipulation is you must be vaccinated to come in simply because of the age of our people, you yeah. know. And um, we're, we're very strict on that. What about the masking? The masking, uh, the men are for it, but to get them to wear it, you know. Yeah. 
and they feel safe and they do practice distancing so you can't force them to do things they don't want to do but the thing is they're all vaccinated and that's the main thing and they do look out for each other if one's got a cold they don't come in and that's their choice we don't have to ask them they make the choice they're not coming in to infect anybody else so uh, you know they are sensible. We have a great bunch of men there at the moment and um, we've, you might know we've just put up three sheds and um, we're in these. One of them's fully going at the moment. The second one is partly functional. We're trying to get some more funding to do some more fit-outs and put the electricity on. And the third one is our uh, recreation centre. But uh, I must tell you, in Rockhampton, the council has what they call a VOAD. And VOAD is um, Volunteer Organisation in Active Disaster. Uh-huh. And that means organisations like ourselves and Glacemere Men's Shed and Meals on Wheels, we are members of that. And what they do, they teach us psychological first aid, they teach us recovery methods and things like that. And in the event that there is a cyclone, a flood, bushfires, uh, the disaster management team will select um, if they haven't got enough people to look after things, they will send people to us or to Gracemere and Meals on Wheels and then um, we follow the procedures that they want us to do. Mostly it's just listen and help the people during their time of, you know, being... um, um, put out of where they are, you know, and stuff like that because of the event. But um, they're very, very good, you know. Yeah. And which activities are the most popular at the shed? Um, well, mainly because um, it's where we have our resources from. It's in the um, woodwork. Uh, we make a lot of ramps for the disabled. We do railings for the disabled and things like that. And that is the main area. But today, yesterday... Oh, they were all out there because we're laying concrete between the two buildings. Mm-hmm. And when it was raining, we had our own little swimming pool out there. So everybody's excited that it's happening and we'll no longer had to tread water to get from one shed to the other, you know. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. What's the most interesting fact about your shed up there at Rockhampton? Um, I think everything's interesting because one day is never the same as the next day. Uh-huh. You'll start off to do something and by midday, because we're open four days a week, 8 till 12, you'll start off to do something at 8 o'clock when you come in and at 10 to 12 you're still trying to get around to it. Uh-huh. And and that's because people will come to you and they'll ask you something or one of the men will be doing something. We just got a pipe bender the other day to help us with the pipes. and What's his name? Oh, the pipe bender, we haven't named that yet. Probably Charlie. We'll name it Charlie and they'll all say, oh, we've got to go and visit Charlie and you'll get half a dozen men around the pipe bender to find out how to bend a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like council workers. If we get something new, they've all got to stand around and find out how it works. But that's a good thing. The uh, the Rockhampton Shed, it, it certainly sounds very socially responsible. So uh, you, you also do fundraising. What sort of fundraising are you doing? Well, this is this is where the ladies come in. We make a lot of art. We do a lot of artwork. And um, we make 
we've gone back to the old-fashioned things, you know, where you had, um, we're doing ducks that have um, pieces of dowel up the middle and you put your paper towel on it or you put your toilet roll on it, things like that. And once a month, uh, I think from November, we'll be having what we call a market day where we'll open up and we'll have a sausage sizzle and we'll sell our wares to see if we can raise funds. We do uh, money boards. We have uh, we had a big high tea last year, but while it was successful, it, it wasn't for the people of Rockhampton, I don't think. They like things they can get into and participate in, you know. Marion, I, I want to thank you very much for your uh, contribution and uh, being our shedder in the spotlight. And um, it sounds like a very socially responsible shed up there at Rockhampton and uh, good luck with everything. John, we have a lovely group of people, ladies and men, and it works. I know some sheds don't like men in their sh- women in their sheds, but it's worked for us, you know, and um, while it's working, we'll keep it going. Thanks very much, Marion. Bye-bye. We acknowledge the Darumbal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which the members of the Rockhampton Men's Shed meet, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Does your shed have a particular community activity you are proud of? I'd love to hear about it. Drop me a line at the shed wireless at menshed.net. And remember, share your favourite podcast with your shedding mates. Give them a hand to subscribe if you can or send them to www.menshed.org forward slash the shed wireless. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. For the love of shedding. Whatever is your game, everyone's the same. Yeah, we can do it all at the men's shed. Short, fat, tall, skinny, hairy, bald. In the shed, it's welcome one and all. Share the skills you know, we're all having a go. There's a 